0: Hey guys, just a quick note before we get into this episode, you are catching Alex and I mid sabbatical. That's right, we're not dead. We've just been taking a break for the summer, catching up with our families. Uh, Jess, my wife, and I are moving, so that's been a disaster. So I'm sure we'll talk about that when we come back in September. But what I wanted to do kind of mid-break here is throw an episode that we recorded, dang, probably... Probably a two months ago, with our good friend Justin, um, I decided to drop this episode in the middle of the break just so there's something, and you know, we're alive and kicking. We can't wait to come back and get back into the routine of things. But until then, check out this episode on. Races. It was a freaking beautiful day outside today, not a chemtrail in the sky. <laughs>
1: Here we go. <laughs> Conspiracy theories.
0: Oh, dude, I got ripped apart at our small group by <laughs> I saying... I felt bad.
1: And I just wanted to say like a little thing about it, and then everybody jumped on me I got you.
0: piled on.
1: I feel like I'm allowed to say that. I
0: legitimately researched <laughs> World War II, but... Everybody had to air quote it and
1: said, oh, research. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> but then afterwards. It was
0: mostly like, you and my wife. Mostly you and I Jess. said it.
1: Just because I've sat through two of our episodes, conspiracy theory. So oh, when, any, when anytime you say I've been doing research, <laughs> I'm like it's conspiracy theories. And then your wife jumped on, and then I don't know. Then I think there There's was somebody else. of others because they all know. So I I felt like my comment was legitimate, and then everybody dogpiled you, which was not cool. Not yeah. cool. Everybody. You know else. know
0: I have I've backed down on a lot of the conspiracy stuff of late, except for the podcast. That one time I was abducted by aliens. I love Jamie and Bree, they're hilarious, and their podcast is awesome, and if you haven't checked it out, and you're into aliens, and just weird stuff in general, basically, if you would like to escape for however the length of their episode is, that's, that's good, okay, but yeah, that's that's all. I've been good, Alex, I've been real good, I
1: didn't deserve that at Bible study. No, you didn't. <laughs> uh, Jason, I, I recently made a pilgrimage. Yes! I went to Waco, Texas, to visit Magnolia, which is my friend uh, Phil said the other night. Uh, he said, "You know, the Jews have Jerusalem, the Muslims have Mecca, and Christians now have Waco, Texas, where they go to. I don't, okay, to Magnolia.
0: You have to explain something because my mom went there. Yeah, and I have no. I don't even know what this place is. It's awesome. What What is it? Like, it's, what's so, there? do
1: you know the show Fixer Upper? No. Chip and Joanna Gaines. No. They are the new face of, uh, kind of like I know Trading Spaces with Paige Davis. <laughs> <laughs> so they they kind of had this like remodeling company, and like Joanna Gaines is kind of like this kind of like decorative guru type person, and like all of everything that she touches basically turns to gold right now. And especially for Christians because they are professing Christians. Oh, okay. And so like everybody is just oogling over them and. My wife and I kind of do that too. Like, my my wife's side of the family loves HGTV. I hate it. Yeah, I hate it because it's just like, why are we Never watching Why it. are we watching people buy houses? This, yeah, this if doesn't... I'm gonna
0: watch anything, it's gonna be this old house on PBS
1: because that's <laughs> what my antenna gets. Yeah, absolutely. So, but then this show, it, uh, it's called Fixer Upper, comes on with Chip and Joanna Gaines, and it, for the first time ever, I'm like, these people seem genuine, and. Yeah. They're a Christian couple, so you kind of have like, oh, there's there's somebody on our team for once yeah, on um, TV. And they just kind of, they have gone to, they live in Waco, Texas, and Waco, Texas is very much like Flint. And so like I have a lot of respect, even more so for them, because I didn't know what Waco looked like. It's I've heard it been called the armpit of Texas. Okay. It's kind of, you know...
0: I've heard it was pretty pretty bad but it's when you when
1: you drive through there it's it's very it reminds you very much of flint okay Uh, a lot some some areas it look pretty bad you got a downtown area but this is there are a couple that said we're going to invest in this city and so we're going to do everything in waco so they opened up a restaurant which is called magnolia table which is awesome food and then they have what's called the silos which is this I, i want to say like an old granary yeah, that's where a, my
0: mom got her pictures taken. So that's what she And it's got like see. a
1: store. And it's and it's basically like this park, privately owned park that they run, but they've kind of opened it up to the public. And they have like their little shop where they sell their, their stuff that they have, their home decor stuff. They have a bakery. They have all these food trucks come into this park area. There's AstroTurf, so they don't have to worry about cutting the grass there. And my daughter and I played soccer on that yeah. AstroTurf. And it was just... Such a blast, and I, I love Texas. I, I, I want to consider moving the podcast to Texas.
0: You, I am not going Just south. Come, come with me of Ann Arbor.
1: <laughs> Why, Jason? Um, because you're racist, yeah. Boom, yes, towards the weather <laughs> and its humidity. I was trying to think of a way to segue <laughs> into what our topic was and get out of talking about yeah, Texas. Yeah, yeah. No, but we, uh, so yeah, so Jason and I are going to tackle one of those issues that is controversial and it's kind of like really hard to talk about because there's a lot of nuances and like so many opinions and like there's a lot of history in regards to America and racism and Guess what, guys? We figured it out.
0: Yeah. No, we didn't. No. <laughs> no, we
1: didn't. <laughs> we, we I had... couldn't even fake that for a long enough. We had a conversation.
0: And you know what? I like the conclusion we came to. Did it solve everything? No. No. Um, Do we have all the answers? No. I'm sure we've pissed some people off if you listen to it. Um, but we had our buddy Justin Cooper come on.
1: Who is black? Yes. I just want to make that clear. With a white parent. Yes, he's half black. But yeah. he's still still black.
0: Well, he gives some awesome insight and perspective in, into that. Yeah. That I would have never even thought
1: of. And that's so, why his story to me was really interesting. And that's kind of why I was like, Jason, let's get Justin on the podcast. Yeah, we,
0: we we get his story, we get a couple of different facets of racism, and then we we conclude with uh the church. Yeah. And what we can do and what we can't. Yeah, Ayo. absolutely.
1: <laughs> so, anyway, guys, this this episode's on the lengthy side, so bear with us. If you need to do it in chunks, do it in chunks.
0: Yeah, you know, who doesn't want to listen to two guys who didn't make it as pastors
1: talk about something so controversial as racism? Yeah. Anyway, guys, this is not your pastors. Oh my gosh, we're going to talk about racism episode. <laughs> All right, guys, we are here with a very good friend of mine, uh, a friend that if anything would ever happen to Jason, if he would die in a horrible hockey accident, I would call upon this man to replace him, (laughs) Justin Koofer.
0: Well, he's not just your friend. He used to play drums in my band.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the band that used to have uh, their intro for this very podcast. Yeah. The band.
0: I switched it over to Alex's band, you know? No, that's
2: fair. That makes more sense. I guess we weren't that good anyway, my wife, right before. That's what my wife told me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was very offended by that. Usually people feed me lots of compliments. I wasn't used to getting the uh You guys were kind of meh. Yeah. More or less.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. And then I quit. I was <laughs> done. I quit.
0: It's <laughs> like no
1: anything's for meh. I'm done. You just crush your hopes and dreams. I did. I had I had big plans. <laughs> I did. Big plans for the band. Yeah. So uh like we said in the intro guys, we are not here to talk about bands or to talk about potential replacements for jason if his untimely death happens but we're here to talk about what (laughs) we're here to talk about race and this is where i feel like again every podcast has an episode on homosexuality we haven't tackled that issue yet every podcast has a uh a porn or masturbation episode which we've kind of done that we've done half of that we've done half of that and then every podcast that I know of, big Christian podcast I know of always has an episode on race. Yeah, and so this the 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 genesis for this episode really came from uh, the other the other weekend we had the Duncan's over and the Kufers over, and the Duncan's had to leave to go relieve their babysitter because we this was a no kids party. Yeah, so we it, we got it got a little crazy. We we busted out some board games and had a good old time. Did you guys a, play?
2: Oh, yeah, we played. Oh, never mind. A board game. <laughs> a board a game. Ca- a card
1: game, actually. Yeah. What do you mean? It's a great game. You it's should like buy it. It's the greatest at- card game ever. You should buy it at Target. It is so good. Anyway, so after, Jason, after you guys left, the Koofer stayed for a little bit, and we just sat and chit-chatted, and Justin kind of reminded me of his story, and I said, actually, Shauna said, she's like, get him on the podcast. Oh, this so is an executive this is sh- decision by Shauna. So anyway, I kind of wanted to have Justin on to talk about race because he is—you can't see, but he's black. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh wow! <laughs> um, what? Can we just put it like a disclaimer? Like we're we're going to offend people with this? Oh, on, for sure, on all sides because the uh, it's not—it's not offensive to it, to notice I'm black. Well, I mean it. I'm just we're we're going to say something because these kind of discussions people like stuff very nuanced and very specific and it's very highly likely that we're going to get the verbiage wrong at some point on something. Um we all love oh, Jesus, Jesus so we can start there. <laughs> but anyway, I don't I, I just want to
1: throw that out there. Uh yeah, so Justin, you were born you I grew was up born. I grew up in a place. So, let's let's start there. Let's start off mom and dad, all that jazz. Okay. Uh, Just tell your story. Well. This is your hour. I was
2: born of a mother and a father. And uh, like originally, I'm from Pennsylvania. Great state. And my parents got divorced fairly early. Um, I... We'll say this. I am not full 100% black. My mother is white, and my father is from Ghana. So he moved to the States when he was around 19, went to Liberty, and uh, met my mom. And so they, um, you know, they're together, and they got divorced right after my little sister was born. So I grew up without a dad because I didn't stay with him. Um, And basically right after they got divorced, we moved from Pennsylvania to Michigan because that's where all my family is from. Um, so uh, when I, we moved to Michigan, I went to uh, Carmen Schools for my first grade year. Where's that at? Um, it's, it was near the corner of Fenton and Bristol. Okay. There's an elementary school somewhere over there. I don't know if it's still there, but I know where it's at. Is it still there? Yeah. It's still
0: okay. there. I drove by the other day.
2: Yeah. I went to that elementary school for my first grade. So it's
1: Genesee County. Yeah. Okay.
2: So I went there and then, um, once my mom had got settled in, we moved to Chateau Torrey Hill, which is on Hill road. No, it's not. It's on Tory road. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, hence the Chateau Torrey Hill. And, uh, from there, I went to Swartz Creek schools, and uh, I guess this would s- kind of start. This would be the beginning of where uh, I discovered that some people don't like other people because of the way they they look. Yeah,
0: Swartz Creek was predominantly white. Yeah, especially back then. Almost. I'm sure. I'm sure with school of choice,
2: the the numbers have gone up. But back then, uh, actually, even now. Swartz Creek is is very white from what I've been it's still from what I've been that's, told that's surprising. Um, when it's I was like a
1: small farm town yeah kinda
2: I guess yeah. it's still predominantly white more white than I mean Grand Blanc a lot of the school of choice I think they're going to places like Grand Blanc and Davison. and Davison. Davison. Too. yeah so uh, I was at Swartz Creek um, for about three years and I got bullied a moderate amount, not like a lot. Like I had some friends, but I got bullied a lot, and I never really understood why. Um, but there were a lot of kids that would just kind of pick on me for for no reason. I thought initially it was always because um, the clothes I wore. We, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, so uh, you know, I got my clothes from places like Goodwill and stuff. Yeah. So I thought that it was like a status thing. Like, oh, you're not wearing Adidas because for some reason back in the 90s adidas was like the thing to wear so uh, i didn't have adidas and i thought that that's why i was getting picked on um but i kind of i kind of noticed that it wasn't happening to other kids that also were not necessarily you know well to do uh and so i don't think i realized it until later in life but i was like i think that a lot of those kids racist. There was these two kids who were older than me once that threw me um the bus was coming and they threw me in the dumpster and sat on it until the bus came because they were gonna try and keep me in there to not get on the bus. And conveniently enough, uh someone had hit a deer the night before and they threw the deer in the dumpster. So that was cool. Yeah, so I was like in this dumpster like screaming you know, trying to get out and thinking, I'm going to not go to school today because these kids are going to sit on this thing and with I'm not going to be like, deer. yeah, with a dead deer. That is terrifying. Yeah. And uh, so j- just things like that. Um, so throughout all this, I never, I never really developed a sense that, like, white people were bad. Um, and I think the reason I, I never developed that was because, well, my mom was white. And My mom loved me. She was actually one of the only things in my life that, uh, I guess, was was consistent. Um, so, but I still, I wanted. There was like this part of me that wanted uh, black companionship, you know, because I didn't, I didn't have that. That's Again, con- I was the only, I was the only black kid like, I was in my s- class. I was gonna say how many. Yeah, there was were there. there was one other black kid in the school in the whole elementary school that I can even remember that was younger than me.
0: Yeah, that's what it was for me growing up because I grew up in Montrose, which is farming town in the middle of nowhere, and we had two black kids who hated each other, <laughs> and we just assumed they would be best friends because oh, they were they're black. black. <laughs> like as I was like a second grader, it's like oh, this makes sense, and they they absolutely hated each other. I remember one, his name was JJ. He's like, just because we're black doesn't mean we have to like each other. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Did we all grow up in small like, kind of farm communities? I grew up in Metamora-Lapeer area, and that's the same same deal. I mean, that, that might just be a Michigan thing.
0: Yeah, possibly. I mean, well, I mean.
1: Well, Detroit. Detroit's a different story. I don't think story. it's a
0: Michigan thing as much as it's just small rule. Yeah farming town type communities they exist all over i'm indiana's riddled with them i'm sure ohio is and just your basic
2: midwest
1: yeah anyway sorry justin continue
2: um so eventually my mom got me out of Swartz creek um i didn't know why initially but when i was uh when i was in college you know we talked about the past and stuff and she told me that um she got me out of there because there was a lot of racism. She was like, a lot of those kids around you were racist. She said I had issues with the parents. Like, she told me stuff I didn't even know about. And one of my teachers, she said, she thought was racist as well because I was a very, very, very hyperactive kid. Um, And I was was that kid in class that would, like, get up for no reason during show and tell and start acting like a dinosaur. Um, (laughs) Because I wanted, yeah. No, but for real. Yeah. For real, and I had it down, dude. I watched <laughs> can do Jurassic a little, Park can do so a many times. <laughs> I could do the Velociraptor roar like it was so good. So obviously, you know, I had to show that off, and I did it because I wanted attention, you know. Uh, but there was a teacher who would not work with me my my fourth grade year, uh, and my mom. I, I don't. I, mean, I don't know for sure whether she's right, but she was under the impression that she was was racist because she. Um, I got in trouble in her class a lot, and I actually got kicked out of the school temporarily. Um, I got transferred to like a separate school for like a marking period, and I'm going back later um, to this teacher. But eventually, we got out of there. Yeah. My mom ended up leaving the the trailer park, and we ended up moving back in with my uh, my grandparents, which is where we live when we first that my first grade year. Um, when I first moved to Michigan, we lived with my grandparents. So I was back there. So back at Carmen schools again, and I was super pumped because I knew that there was going to be black people there. And there was this part of me that was like, yes, like I don't have anything against white people, you know, but I just want, you know, I want some friends yeah. that are like, they're like me, you know. You just yeah. you just, you want that for for whatever reason, um, like in movies and stuff, like Forrest Gump. I balled. I bald when, when Bubba died. Is yeah. that his name? Bubba Guy yeah. that had all the Bubba shrimp. Gump. Yeah. Bald. Cause he was black. He was like my hero, you know? Yeah, And, uh, so I went to, I went to Carmen schools for three years before moving to the UP and something interesting happened at Carmen that I didn't think would happen because I'm thinking finally, you know, like People like me, I'm going to have tons of friends. And what ended up happening was I ended up getting made fun of by the black kids even more than the white kids because uh, of my hairline. So in the, I guess, the the black community, like there are certain things that are um, kind of like important Important things if you want to have, like, a high status, I guess. It's so like, you got to look clean, okay? You got to have nice clothes. Yeah. Your, your clothes have to look nice. They have to be a good brand oftentimes. Um, your hair has to be crisp, okay? This crisp. is all new to me. I'm it like, it has to be, yeah. I was like, tell me more. It has to be crisp, okay? So, like, uh, your hairline has to be very, you know, like, I can't even explain it. Like, a perfect... Comes right up to the line. There's no like little, little straggly hairs coming out. No, yeah. clean cut. very,
0: very clean cut. Okay? I watch my barber like cut hair and be like, "Why is like just he's okay? Like just let me have my turn now." So that makes no, a no, lot no, of no, sense. No, like, that's vitally very, important.
2: So my hairline went down to like my eyebrows almost. It was super weird, and uh, obviously I didn't go to a barber because again, I live with a parent who is white and. We you know, doesn't know anything about any of this stuff, yeah. nor do I. So uh see, so yeah, I got made fun of for my hairline, I got made for my for my the clothes that I wore all the time. Um I got made fun of really badly because in elementary school up till that point I played soccer. I I just I like soccer. And I didn't play like seriously, at all. I wasn't on like some, some some kind of crazy like Yeah It was just game your
1: game that you loved to play. Yeah, that was
2: a game I like to play. I was garbage at basketball at that time, and they made fun of me so bad. And like, no one would be my friend. Like, if they were black, wouldn't be my friend. There was one, there was one kid. There was like one kid in total uh, when I was at Carmen that was that was really my friend. Um, his name was Antonio. I remember him because he was my only friend. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't enjoy it, and obviously, and it was kind of shocking to me because the expectation I had was like, well, I thought that like people of the same color were all supposed to like be like good with each other. Like, I, I don't know where that thought came from. I don't know where that assumption came from, yeah. but that was just what I thought. Like, well, if we're black, like we're supposed to like you know be there for each other, right? Because like the whole racist thing. Because that's like that's something that you yeah, obviously learn that like oh you know blacks were oppressed and slaves so like white people there's racist white people you know so and like i grew up knowing that because yeah. i experienced that previously so i was like well black kids have my back yeah was not the case so you're
0: like a, a middle race where you don't fit in yeah i don't fit in side. i don't fit in anywhere that so sucks. at
2: that point i was just like everybody sucks like white people yeah. suck black people suck like everybody Screw sucks it. there's no there's no one out there for me so um we ended up leaving um, flint altogether and my mom wanted to get away and kind of try to raise us on her own away from from family so we moved to the up which you would be thinking this kid's gonna die <laughs> right? because the thought is like the up there's no black people they're probably all super yeah. racist okay Complete opposite. When I moved up there, I was like the coolest kid, despite really? the fact that I had the raggedy clothes. Why? Because I was the only black kid, and they thought black people were awesome. Okay, They were like, <laughs> black people are ballas, and they have all the sweetest music. And like instantly, I was popular. Huh. Even though I was super weird, I asked out. Literally, almost every single girl in my class within the first three weeks. How old were you uh, at being, this point? This is, so this is seventh grade. This okay. is this is seventh grade when I uh, some when was up Junior high stuff there. going on, right? Yeah, there. junior high.
1: Obviously, you know I'm going through a lot. Uh, hey, Justin, you want, you want some uh, want some maple syrup? Eh?
2: Yep. So <laughs> I want to like, hear you with a youper so voice. <laughs> <laughs> you had to have developed one. Uh, I can I can do it,
0: but it's difficult to just like do it on command, you know. Well, I don't want I you don't to know. do it on command. I just want that to be you. I s- no, <laughs> <laughs> like, you just talk. Like... <laughs> yeah,
2: I feel like we'd be better friends oh, if you were a oh, youper wow. still. So that accent <laughs> is not as common as you think. It's not. It's usually only like the really old, old, older people that spoke that way. They've been up there forever. Yeah, been up there forever. Like none of my, none of the people I went to school with talk like that none of them or like their parents Uh, we
0: interviewed a girl on our show from method theology holly and she thought we sounded like youpers she's like we're so far you might as well be canada like yeah (laughs) i thought that was hilarious
1: oh the north the great north anyway yeah sorry anyway
2: so uh i moved to the up and despite the fact that i was uh, i became very cocky very fast because i became popular so quickly simply because i was black
1: cuz you went from like a low status yeah, went from automatically very low to status, the top
2: right so super cocky hence asking out every single girl uh, so despite that like still had friends um, and throughout high school I never really experienced any racism. There were a couple instances, though, uh, like my first year in high school, my freshman year, um, the kids that I was sitting at a, a lunch table with, um, it was me, and there was this, like, there's a Native, Native American kid, like full, you know, full Native American. Yeah. Um, and some other kids, uh, some of us went to church together, and this kid came over with his lunch tray, And he put it in front of me and walked away, and I was really confused. But uh, the the kid at the table, Native American kid at the table, was not confused. He knew exactly what this other kid was doing because he like he knew who he was. So he ended up taking the tray that the kid had just put in front of me, took it, walked over the kid and like slammed it on his chest, and basically started a fight with this kid. And they got broke up before it got, like, super crazy. But he explained to me, like, he explained to me later, like, yeah, that kid was racist. Like, that's why you put it on your table. He was giving it to you so that you could put it away for him. Oh, Mm. man. So, but, again, that was, obviously that sucked. But I was not, like, oh, man, white people are bad. Like, that that thought never entered my mind because at this point, like, there were so many. I had so many friends at this point. And throughout high school, you know, I just, I gained more friends. Than I never really had, um, I never, I never really had any kinds of, of problems. So, and neither did the other black kids that I knew, because there were some other black kids there as well. And they were also like pretty popular kids. So
0: you are talking about this area though, like when I was growing up, I always thought like when I was going through grade school, like racism existed in the past and it existed down south but it doesn't exist today this is me in my youth and mm-hmm. what i was thinking so hearing you say you know these things your problems with teachers or the way you were treated or thrown into a dumpster with it like that's sick like that's gross i think it's it's, re- it's a kind of shocking but not shocking i think the older that i get the more i realized oh it it does exist oh it yeah it exists it's always been there and continues to be there. I just didn't think so much so in this area, you know.
1: One of the things that I think is really interesting is the, is the fact that you still still have people that are racist. Like, it is a crazy thought to think that there's still people out there that think other races are inferior to others. Right. Like, I remember... I really clung like I'm a huge fan of history and I've explained this many times before like I would read ahead in our history books and I you know especially like during like civil war era and then like the period right after that reconstruction like reading all about you know Jim Crow and all those things and going like wow like this is this is really bad and then in a small small way like hearing like still like racist jokes or even like I worked in shops, and there was guys that were pretty like, oh, "Come on, guys! Like, there's no way that you actually think that." And I think they actually did. There's still racist jerks out there. We are not saying we are not saying that they don't exist. We we know that the KKK is still an organization oh, that man, exists I to today. Say something when you. But I kind of want, one of the reasons why I wanted to have Justin on is, is after I heard Justin tell a story, we also got on this topic of. What do we do now going forward? What does twenty eighteen look like as far as with race and with identity and all these all these all these issues that are coming up in our in our world today? And I think we had some pretty interesting thoughts. And the the question that I kind of wanted to ask along with this podcast is: Is our focus on our our I would say a hyper focus on race? and hypersensitivity towards race cuz it's like every every year there's a movie that comes out right about the civil rights or something like a couple of years ago it was hidden figures or like all throughout high school i watched remember the titans all the way through and it was just like holy cow like white people are really bad people and like it almost kind of like guilting i like i almost felt like a guilty feeling that white people did that to black people but now i'm wondering and my my thought process is changing a little bit Is our hypersensitivity and hyper-focus on race a good thing or a bad thing?
0: Oh, man. Can I give some background?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because you
0: you made me think of something when I was talking. So, like, I didn't think as a youth that racism existed between, like, contemporaries, like, between kids. I always thought racism was an older people's problem. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the same thing. Like, okay, I knew that racism existed. and, And, like... My, my grandma was extremely racist. Like, we'd go to her house in Beecher and we'd play with the kids across the street who are black. They're outside playing basketball. We want to play basketball, too. And my grandma caught us out there and we got chewed out like crazy. And like one of the songs I wrote in a previous band was about that very thing. Like, we're not allowed to play with those people. I watched my grandma. Um, she would do things like... Um, she's an old woman who lived by herself and people on the block knew this and Beecher now is boarded up houses. I mean, it's, it's Flint town Yeah. when, when you see it these days. Yeah. But, but when I was a kid, it was, it was really nice and the, a tight knit community who took care of one another. Well, this uh, black guy saw that my grandma's newspaper was at the, foot of her driveway, so he's like, I know an old woman lives there, I'll go, I'll take the newspaper up to his house. And she, you know, of course, has the bars on the windows, and the police scanner going. <laughs> like, because she's paranoid. Wait,
2: and this is a nice neighborhood? Yeah, it's not a nice neighborhood. neighborhood anymore.
0: But it was a sna- it was a safe neighborhood at that yeah. time. Yeah, and um, she proceeded to beat that man through the door with the newspaper, and curse him out for I hope my family's not listening because, <laughs> I mean, well, they'll have more stories. But then there was, there was another time where she, like my mom had told me, she drove into a ditch and she stuck, you know. And my um, my mom said that this, this black man got out of his car and then got into her car and helped pull it out of the ditch. And then she had a newspaper again in the car and like sat newspaper down on the seat and on the steering wheel because – until she had it cleaned, because that's who she was. So my mom raised us not that way, but maybe to, and when you say hypersensitivity, Alex, maybe to an extent the other way that was not, so my mom would say something, would say stuff, and still does to this day, black people, I just love them people, I just love them people. And it's like, I know you're saying that, mom, and I know that that you love people, but you don't have to declare that every time <laughs> you see a black person. Like, it's it's okay. So I think, I think I, I've experienced kind of racism on both ends, the extreme, like, hate for black, and then almost the fear of I don't want to be like my parents who grew up, but I don't know how to act yet. So I'm going to operate in this fashion. And both of them, like, obviously the pure racism looked awful. But then this hybrid racism, if, even if it is racism, which I don't know how. So I think some people would define that as racism. What, your mom? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think people would. And then other people would say, no, but she's kind of goofy, too. She wouldn't know how to act around a black person. If that makes any sense.
1: I will say this, black people make the best music. <laughs> like, if I'm listening to, a, like, so my boss and I are really into blues, like, we, like we're like we constantly like showing each other blues artists, and he'll show me a cover that a white guy does of a blues song, and I'm like, what's the original? And he'll be like, oh, the original is by a guy named Lightning Hopkins, a black guy from the 60s. And I'm like, yeah, his version is way better.
0: <laughs> yeah, we went to... This past fall, one of Jess's friends, uh, Ashley, was getting ordained as a oh, pastor. Oh, yeah, the, the
1: black church that you went to.
0: Yeah, and it was it, it was an all-black church. Like We were the only white people there because um, we were, were friends of her. And that bass player was amazing. <laughs> Their music <laughs> was amazing. That's a stereotype, Jason. I know it is, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. See, that, I don't know, man. It it was an awesome experience. I would definitely go back again. We were welcomed like crazy. And I don't know, I mean, we'll get into like the church aspect. I don't know if a black person would, would feel as welcome coming into an all white church as we felt going into an all black church, if that makes any sense. I don't know. I'm opening up lots of cans of worms
2: here. I mean, I mean that's, that's our podcast yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there are a lot of things that you would that you would have to unpack with that. So so like, uh, well, first of all, with your mom, okay? Okay, yeah. It almost sounds like she is trying to compensate because yeah. she has some type of, uh, the word I hear used now is uh, white guilt. So like yeah. she she is a af- she is afraid maybe for some reason that because there's been racism in the past that like, or maybe she's been told like, you're inherently like a low racist. So you need to be careful. Yeah. Um, and maybe she is saying like, she said those types of things cause she's trying to like compensate to really make it seem like, no, really seriously. I like, I don't think less of black people at all. Yeah, but then she
1: vocalizes it, which then makes it sound like she. But actually, <laughs> it's like that. It's, it does. It's That's that common. Like, it's that common phrase that you hear. Just like I'm not racist. I have a black friend. Yeah, <laughs> like I could see, I could see how people would call oh. her racist.
0: But I look at her compared to my grandma and say, "Nope, not racist." Like you could see how I could draw those same conclusions. Right. But yeah, you say the phrase "white guilt," and that would probably describe it to a T. Like. She tells me all the time, like, of growing up at Beecher, there'd be race riots. Like, my uncles would go to school with crowbars
1: under there.
2: Whoa. Because... My dad told, do- me,
1: told me stories, too. He grew up in St. Clair Shore, or he might have been living closer to Detroit during the race riots in the 60s, and he said it was pretty, pretty wild times when the movie, that movie, I haven't seen it, but there was the movie Detroit that came out with Justin Boyega, Finn. From Star Wars. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I keep I keep getting you guys off track. Just take all this out. What were we talking about?
2: We were talking about his mom. And then you yeah. and then you made a, a statement about how you, th- you think that a black person coming into a white church would feel more uncomfortable than a white person, like when you you yourself went into this this black church yeah and i th- i mean i think it would depend it would depend on a lot of different things i think it would depend on like is that black kid used to being around only other black people has he been told by his peers and his parents that like white people are out to get you. Because if that's the case, then yeah, I could understand going into a white church where you think, like, everyone here is racist. So that in that, in that instance, I could understand why they would be more afraid. But I don't know if that's always the case. I, yeah. Again, I can speak from my own experience. It's nuanced. Yeah. My I, own experience is it. obviously very different because I've essentially grown up around white people my whole life. And yeah. I have I, – I assume – most people are not racist. And when I meet someone new, I never am thinking that they're racist. I don't like, I don't walk around, I guess, with like my radar on trying <laughs> to check. If, right. Like I just, I just don't care. Like, and I, I haven't met or had an experience since, pro- honestly, probably since, no, I did have one other actually in college. But since that time, I've not had an experience of like someone being racist towards me. Yeah. So, um, so it's not something that I, I feel like is that common. I don't feel like white people are are out to get me. I mean, I went to a church, uh, you know, in Goodrich, and was one of the only black people there. Yeah. I started priding pride myself on that, actually. I was like, I'm the token black guy. I'm the black guy of this church. <laughs> and if another black guy comes in, I'm like, no, 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 no. This is my, this is my church. <laughs> this is my district. <laughs> this is my- <laughs> There's a Key and Peele about that. Have you guys, have you seen that one? No. There's a Key and Peele where uh, they are trying to get, like, uh, not Keegan-Michael Key. Uh, Jordan Peele is in, like, this. <laughs> He's in, like, this... Uh, choir group it's like an acapella group with a bunch of white guys and uh you know it is it's yeah it's it's uh jordan peele and then so he's in this group and then uh keegan michael key comes in and he he just walks into this group and and he starts doing his own thing in this acapella group and they're all like wow man that was really awesome and so then after all the the, the other guys leave they two are just sitting there having like this conversation. He's like, This is my group, man. This is my group. You have any idea how long I've been trying to infiltrate this group?
1: <laughs> See, that's the hilarious. Thing. That's the thing though. I feel like we've we've moved past I don't want to say we've moved past racism, because there's still obviously jerk racists out there. But race is something that we can joke about and like dialogue about now and talk about more. Like the, i think the funniest skits on Saturday night live right now is the black jeopardy skits you know <laughs> those are so funny. the fact the 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 best one is where they the first one they ever did because they had tom hanks dress up as a trump supporter and he's wearing a maga hat. <laughs> and he he agrees with everything the two black ladies says he's like oh yeah absolutely it's it's hilarious. You got a, You guys got a YouTube Black Jeopardy. Yeah, it's, I seen it's, it. it's it is awesome. re- it is really or funny. the key or Key and Peele or my favorite race skit that I've ever seen was actually from an old SNL, um, where Eddie Murphy puts on white paint. Eddie Murphy, <laughs> and he he's a black man who's researching what white people do when black people aren't around. It is hilarious because it's it's a he because you know he's on a he's on a bus. And there's a black guy on the bus, and he's got this white face on. And so he, a black guy, gets off the bus, and he's the only black guy on the bus. He gets off, and then all of a sudden, the white people start busting out bottles of champagne and start partying. And he's sitting there like, "Oh, this is what white people do when black people aren't around." Very funny skit. Also, YouTube that. We'll put that into the show description, (laughs) will we? (laughs) Alex is editing the notes this week. (laughs) but so yeah so i wanted to i wanted to talk about because one of the things that you always hear about nowadays is i feel like this topic of racism and everything being racist has kind of come back to the forefront like and, and especially the circles that i see and the things that i see on facebook and you know a lot of you know you have black lives matter now and you also have Uh, this the idea of white privilege being tossed around in conversations and so i kind of wanted to ask like what where are we at as a culture and again i'll ask the question again is our hypersensitivity or hyper focus on race benefiting minority groups or a hindrance to minority groups that's the question i want to ask
0: yeah i think um I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how real stuff is because I'm in a position where I can't really trust the media because I think the media is divisive mm-hmm. and it
1: amplifies everything. So Let's talk about a recent story then. Let's talk about the, the Starbucks incident that happened just recently. You know what I'm talking about?
0: No, I have unplugged for the last- You are a great man. Yeah, <laughs> you are. I have unplugged for the last
1: couple of weeks.
0: So uh, I've been working on my pedal board- For my, that's such a white person thing to say, and it's looking good. (laughs) Working on my paddleboard, yeah, and I completely, I, I only unplug. So tell me the
1: story. I I bring, I bring this up because it's, it's something recent that happened, and my wife and I were recently discussing it, and so what happened was, and Justin, you, you may know more of the details than I do, but the. These two black guys went into a Starbucks in Philadelphia, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they were asked to leave because they according to the Starbucks employee, they were asked to leave because loitering in that particular branch is not allowed. You have to be a paying customer if you want to use the bathroom or sit and use the lobby. Yep. And so they ref- they didn't leave, and so the barista or the manager called the police. The police came, and there was a bunch of, uh, like, iPhone, like, cell phone videos of people shouting at the police because they handcuffed the two black guys and escorted them out of the building, saying, like, what are you doing? You guys are racist. These these black guys did nothing wrong. da 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 And it kind of blew up to epic proportions because, I've, you know, obviously it's getting... Those videos are getting shared all over social media, going viral, and then... Starbucks comes out and makes a statement saying that we're going to do implicit bias training. We're going to shut down all of every... It's March 29th, I think, or not, excuse me, May 29th. Every Starbucks location is shutting down so every Starbucks employee can go through implicit bias training, which is the the training where you are shown a picture and a word and you do, like, word association pictures and, you know... So, like, if you see a picture of a, a black person and they might have... Um,
2: Different words like bad, bad, good, good whatever. Um, so, the, but the, I mean, they won't just show you black people. They'll show you pictures of of different types of people, and it's how quick you answer with those words to see if you are implicitly biased against. So that's why they go through that. That's why they do that training.
1: So th- this has kind of been like a huge national story, and other, there's been other people out there that have gone and gone to Starbucks and said I need to use the bathroom like black people are saying I want to use the bathroom and it's like well this white person used the bathroom is he a paying customer and like I feel like this is really blowing up yeah and there was a guy that you told me about the guy that demanded his reparations coffee yes <laughs> <laughs> what, what 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 happened with that he so from what
2: I understand he was a I think he was a youtube youtuber he was like a vlogger blogger whatever and he went into this Starbucks and demand, yeah, basically demanded like some free coffee, like where's my reparations coffee basically and And what was interesting with the response of the girl up front was like, yeah, like I heard I heard about that' Because I think this was a this was a Starbucks in Philly. It wasn't yeah. the same one, but it was a I think it was another Starbucks in the Philly area. And so she was like, "Yeah, I heard about that. That didn't. That wasn't here. But yeah, that's that's crazy." And and so she ended up be, giving him a, a free coffee um, because he was saying like, "I should get a free coffee." And and, <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, this is this is what I'm talking about." Like afterwards, and then when I think it's when he walked out of the Starbucks, like this is what racism is. Like so he what he was doing was he was trolling the Starbucks. And it was like, so because I'm black, I can walk into a Starbucks and just get a free coffee, even though no one did anything to me. So he was, so you see, it's, it's like the, he would call it racist because it's, you know, obviously instead of doing something bad, because that's usually what you think of when something racist happens, like, oh, well, black people, we need to well, we'll just give them a free coffee because, like, bad stuff has happened, Like reparations. Yeah. So, what's interesting about the, what's interesting about the, um, the Starbucks incident is, and this and this seems to be what usually happens with any of these incidents. With a lot of the incidents with you know the cops that we saw you know a couple years ago, um, and with this incident as well, we don't see, we never see the whole thing. Um, so what we see you, that's what
1: Jason said about the, like the divisiveness. They, they really just show the, like those two black guys were on good morning America the next day Mm -hmm. talking about their story and all this. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Continue. So,
2: yeah, so it's, it's, you're only seeing one part of it. And when you see that you're thinking, well, yeah, why are these black guys? And like, even when I saw I'm like, well, yeah, why, like, why would they, arrest these two guys they're just sitting there like that seems
1: that seems a little silly and their story was we were well we were waiting for a friend
2: right Mm -hmm. but then the
1: manager so you have to kind of understand some of the
2: backstory this manager stated that they had had specific issues in that starbucks before with loitering she had had a lot of issues with loitering apparently at one point there was someone in that came into the store and was like chasing her around some guy uh, so she had a lot of issues with people coming in, and so they really enforced that rule. A lot of Starbucks, they probably don't care as much. They're probably too busy. Every time I go into Starbucks, there's a thousand people in there. I don't want to be there anyway. But uh,
0: I avoid it because it's really expensive. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and it's not that good. It's not that good anymore. No.
2: and uh, no. I don't drink coffee. so. So... She had had issues with loitering in the past, and she stated, um, her statement to the police, I believe, was that they came in, and they were just kind of sitting there chilling. And she walked up to them and, like, offered them, like, hey, can I get you guys a drink or anything? Because, you know, like, trying trying to kind of help them out, like, if you guys buy something, no big deal. And they're like, no, we're just going to, we're sitting here, we're waiting for a friend or whatever. And I think at that point, that's when she said, well... These seats are, like, reserved for, for paying customers. And they didn't go anywhere. And then she told them she was going to call the police. And they told her, go ahead, call the police. We don't care. They said that. This is, this, this is her side of the story. This is her side of the story. So then the police get there. And the police themselves had asked them multiple times to leave. Like, they gave them a chance. And they refused to leave. So that's, like, at that point, I look at it, and it's like, okay. So you had an opportunity to get up and leave. And even it, again, even if she was racist and that, you know, called the police, police show up. Like, you could have just got up and left. You didn't have to make an issue out of it. You know, I think if, if I had walked into a place that was like that, I would probably, instead of, like, fighting the system, because that's, you know, what you're thinking in your mind— I would probably personally just be like, okay, whatever, I'm going to go. But also, I would probably just buy something. If I bought something, and so I would have a huge issue if they had bought something, and then there was, she was telling them to leave. And the reason that I I personally do not think that this person was that racist is because you're in Philly, and like 40% of the population is black. And this lady has been there for a year, and it is highly likely that she encountered many black people in, her, people in her store all the time. And all of a sudden, on this random day, she's deciding that she's going to kick out two black guys. Like, she probably was kicking them out because she had issues with with loitering. Now, maybe she... lost she, her job, didn't she, too? Uh, So there's... There's conflicting stories. Some some places I've read, they say that she lost her job. But then, quite a few other sources state that she actually just got moved to a to a different location. She got moved. She got moved as a manager to a separate location. Not
1: that just one. Ch- just for Starbucks to kind of help keep right. some of the heat off of yeah,
2: them. because Which it was that like,
0: itself would kind of prove out that she's not racist. Like the fact that they didn't fire her on the spot. That they well, yeah you know, the helped st- her find gainful employment in another area. Right.
1: Like, here's the other thing that's really interest interesting to me because there's been there's been people that have said if this is racist, we're willing to call this a, as a race like, like this is obviously people being racist in a racist situation. We would like to see the security footage from yep. the Starbucks because this because there was somebody on twitter that went around and took pictures of the the security cameras inside yep. Yep. inside that particular Starbucks and said, "Where is the footage from these cameras?" So that way we can get the whole story. And anybody who had said, "Let's get the whole story. Let's not just take these black guy's words for it or Starbucks covering up their tracks for this situation." Right. Let's get the video. Let's get the video. Let's let's see the empirical evidence, what happened here. They people who wanted that evidence were being called racist and that you guys deny these black people that you don't believe their story. It's it's not that I don't believe their story. I would just like to hear all the sides of the story. And so that's that to me is where you really have this divisiveness in our culture today. Is there's people that say, Well, this is obviously racist, like look what they did to these these poor these these two black guys. And then there's the people saying like, okay, if this is really racist, let's see all the evidence. And the people that want to see all the evidence are being called racist now. Because they you don't...
2: You don't just up and believe them.
1: You just don't up and believe them. And so that's why my wife and I were having this discussion in the car. And she's like, well, obviously this is a clear... Because from what she's seen in social media, because that's where we get our news now is social media, which I don't know if it's necessarily the best place anymore to get our all of our news sources. But what we're seeing now is you only see one part of the story. You only see your echo chamber, what's being said. Yeah. And so, therefore, you're not getting the whole story, and therefore you're basing all of your evidence, all of your opinion on one side of the story. So, like, when my wife said, well, Alex, there's... St- you know we've had this discussion in our car before she's like well there's still acts of racism being committed today i said oh absolutely and she's like well th- think about the starbucks incident and i said uh eh, that one's a little tricky and i kind of told her the things that i had heard and she's like oh okay so that that kind of makes it seem like not so much there was a story actually and this one this one is definitely racism there was a story in rochester hill so our neck of the woods here in michigan a black kid missed He was, he's like 14 or 15 years old. He missed the school bus. And he's like, dang it. And he's like, well, I'm only, it's only a 20 minute walk to school. I'll miss the first, my first class. And then I'll get, get there for second hour. I'll get there for my second class. No problem. He gets a little turned around and he said, and this is what the article that I was reading said. He got a little turned around.
0: Oh, I know. I heard that. Went up to a house,
1: asked for directions and was shot at by... By the, one of the homeowners, which, by the way, he wasn't even supposed to have a gun because he's a felon. So, double whammy for him being a racist jerk and a felon. But that those story, those types of stories, like those are actual like okay, the, we have the evidence here. We see the story. This guy is clearly racist. Like you just don't shoot at black people just because they're knocking on your door to ask for directions. Like that's there's definitely some bias there.
0: That's that's where I was going with the amplified comment earlier. I, racism definitely exists, like don't get me wrong, and there are terrible things that are happened and are reported on, but I think there's even more of them that are elevated to a level to, I don't want to say make it look worse, but make it look worse or make you feel worse or make it seem worse or more dangerous than it is, like more volatile. And it almost it pigeonholes you into an area where now I don't know how to react.
1: <laughs> well, that's the thing that I'm I'm getting a little I'm getting a little. Alex, frustrated you were
0: called in. racist.
1: I off one of our episodes. M- really, multiple times I've been called racist. Yeah, well, well, so I shouldn't should should... say multiple time. Which which episode are you referring to?
0: The adoption one.
1: Oh, the adopt. I thought you were talking about the our conservatives persecuted episode.
0: No, I called you racist for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that conversation got
0: uncomfortable for me. Well, no, I, think- I, didn't call it, I didn't call you racist. But, I mean, somebody was harping on our podcast because you asked your black neighbors for help. Yeah. On how to do the hair. I had and, to do black hair. And you were told, we were told that you shouldn't have to burden your black neighbor. Oh, my gosh. And so, yeah, so Alex is, well, is that, a racist so, for adopting no. a black baby. So let's, well, so maybe and, we should do this. But that's the hypersensitivity that I'm talking yes. about.
2: Like, we have to define stuff. Yeah, so I was going to say, let's define racism. What What is racism? I mean, what do you guys think racism is?
1: The, I guess the... Well, I guess we have to kind of redefine it now with the hypersensitivity issue. These w- either maybe special treatment or the.
0: I would say a based on what I've observed from my grandma an extreme hatred of somebody of an opposite race
1: based off of just the color of their skin. Right? Yes.
0: And nothing else. Nothing else. It doesn't matter if they're trying to help you or, or anything. They're all bad all the time. That I mean. I think that's the way, and I, I make it sound like my family's really bad, and my family, like, <laughs> Jason's family's really bad, but I don't even we're think not you're... at all. Um, we have a handful of marriages that are intermarried couples, so I have black family members. Okay, so, <laughs> I have black family members, so I'm obviously not is, racist. <laughs> which is
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Which is awesome considering where we started from. Yeah, you know that was one of the things I noticed. So, like when everybody was getting all bent out of shape about the uh, gay character in Beauty and the Beast, I was like, "Yeah, but this is a, a a movie that has two interracial couples in it as well. Like, can we at least take the win in that part? And like, this is this is becoming more and more common mm-hmm. now. Can we take the win here and forget about the the one second that there was something kind of weird in Beauty and the Beast?" I'm talking weird for conservative Christians. <laughs> I didn't think it was even, weird. I actually thought it was funny. Yeah,
2: I also thought it was funny, and it's. It, I thought it was so funny because I saw some of these articles that were were popping up on. I'm guessing they were probably very like super super conservative Christian sites, and you know these people are all super upset about this Beauty and the Beast, and I'm like, I watched this movie. And it was like more of him joking about it. Like it wasn't like they had some kind of like sex scene or anything crazy. Like you, you almost don't even you almost don't even notice it. Like I in fact I only noticed it because I remember everyone talking about it. And I was like, wait, that's what people were getting upset about? Because he dances with this other guy at the end that he For literally half a, a second, yeah, for a half a second.
1: Like okay. My daughter is too worried. Like, look at all the pretty dresses. Like, that's what that's what my daughter's worried about. She's not worried. She's not asking me the deep questions. Like, why were those two guys dancing, Father? Like, no. So anyway, we've got off the track a little bit. We talked. We started talking about homosexuality during our race episode, which is a big no-no. No, do not in- don't do not mix them together. One,
0: one topic at a time, Alex.
1: <laughs> I was just making a statement about the fact that people were getting all bent on Anyway. So yeah, I think I think that's a good definition to say the extreme hatred, but I would also add to that the maybe special treatment of somebody just based solely on their race. Like the reparate, like the reparation coffee thing. Like I don't. So I personally don't agree with reparations. I don't think that reparations
2: is a thing that should happen. And that's because the idea behind reparations, the way that I understand it is you, you had, this period of history where blacks and this is i think this is the part that a lot of people don't learn in school uh blacks sold other blacks to us and we enslaved to the us them. Yeah. right to the u.s so but you have to understand like blacks had their own black slaves and like slavery has existed forever so it wasn't just like only whites were owning slaves like even blacks of a certain tribe thought that certain people of their own tribe were lesser than well not this, of their own tribe of a different the, tribe were less than them. the sinful like, nature of man right we're, we're constantly
1: always, thinking that we're better than other people right
2: and for them it was something different but you know here in america there was a time where it was like because you're black you're less and that was you know that was something that was taught to them they thought that for I think for a lot of different reasons. I think that the way that I understand it too is um, there was this idea that went around for a while, uh, like this this crazy biblical misinterpretation that black people came from the line of... Was it Ham? Ham? I think it was Ham. And so because Ham was this, you know, cursed curse line that's where black people came from and so black people are automatically less because they came from a sinful line which is interesting since we're all equally sinful that's but honest. somehow that's ham, my... but somehow ham was more sinful and thus yeah. the people that came from ham are I never less heard as that before beings. I heard I heard uh, that's our, what I was taught growing up in yeah. church
1: I heard Ernesto preach on that on that particular passage of scripture and I was like holy cow like that's yeah. a thing it is yeah and so that's and that's why
2: I feel like I have more grace towards people now like older people because I'm just like eh they believe the things they believe because that's what they were taught. That's what yeah. that's what they grew up with. It's it's obviously not okay, but I don't think that I am justified in in hating someone else just because they hate me because of because I'm black. Um and I think it's I, the, the reparations thing is silly because um None of the people that exist currently were sl- are slave owners or were slave owners. Their grandparents weren't even slave owners. So, like, I think it's, it feels silly to me for me to get special treatment because I'm black for something that happened a long time ago. Like, I don't think that that's. So
1: that's, let's talk f- about something a little bit more current than reparations. Okay. Uh, affirmative action.
2: What about affirmative action? I'm
1: just asking you your opinion on affirmative action. Because I have my own opinions, but I've never, I'll be honest, I've never asked a a black person how they felt about affirmative action. I know what some black people have said about it. I just have never asked you as my friend. What
2: have you heard other people say about it?
1: I have heard other people say that it's silly now to have it. That maybe back in the 60s and 70s, when we were still dealing with the civil rights issue and trying to kind of curve some of the old Jim Crow nastiness of racism that was you know still left over from the civil war era that it was needed but now is not needed and the fact that it actually hurts other minority groups so
2: that's that's what i that's what i would say i think that not only is affirmative action like unneeded like i would go further than that like it's it's a terrible thing to implement because what you're essentially saying and this isn't just even for blacks this is for anyone this is this is to say like two people who get the same test score okay but one person is 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 black is going to or is a minority in general is going to um get chosen for this position in a school or for a job or for whatever and i think that that is that, in my mind, at this point now in history, where we are now, like, that's that's not needed, and that's not... I don't think that that's helping, because if anything, like, that would... I could see how some people, how, like, a white person would actually have, hold, like, a grudge against minorities, because, like, okay, so these guys don't have to work as hard as me, they don't have to try as hard and they're just well, going to get more jobs out. because yeah
1: I heard a study that came out that actually it actually hurts Asian Americans more yeah because they have to score so much higher yep. on their SATs or ACTs or whatever in order to kind of curve the the affirmative action kind of bump if you want to call mm-hmm. it which to me I'm like that kind of sounds racist and then but if I say that then I get called a racist because I can't like wh- I can't believe you said that, Alex. Like it, it it specifically benefits black people. Do you hate black people? I'm like, what? what how did we get down this rabbit hole? So, so like quickly? that's the thing that kind of
2: frustrates me is like I think the word uh, racist is thrown around too flippantly. So um, it's
0: like a jump to conclusions. Yeah, map. like again, jump to conclusions, <laughs> man. <Matt. Yeah.
2: laughs>
1: there's
0: there's a mat of like conclusions.
1: He's racist, so he's he automatically
2: bad. Yeah. So, like, you. He's got a
1: black so like if foster you have an kid ad- and he's
0: racist? Yeah. What? <laughs> you are.
2: Yeah, but your foster kid isn't Hispanic, so maybe you don't like. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I was going to say we defined racism as like hating someone or thinking someone is less, um, simply going off nothing but their skin color. Yeah. So I think you having a conversation with someone about like a policy or just about society in general, like I don't think you disagreeing with a statement that you think is wrong automatically makes you a racist. And I think it's, it frustrates me that that word is thrown around so, so easily. So like, for example, um, older people, grew up, and they called black people colored people. Um, and I or, or worse. <laughs> or, or, <laughs> yeah. So So here's the thing. So you say worse, right? Yeah. Now, at that time for them, that might have been like the politically correct thing to say. And I believe that there could be older people who use that term only because they're familiar with it, but they're not actually racist. Oh, I'm not but talking if about you, the N-word. I'm talking about worse. Oh, right. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, if, if someone were to say, if you had an old person say, like, oh, that color boy over there. And, like, she she means no ill will. She's simply just, that's that's what she knows. Yeah. And she's labeled a racist. And it's like, well, is she racist? Like, does she actually hate black people? Or is that just how she's yeah. phrasing it? Because it's not politically correct. So, like, you know, some people, some, it's so funny, like, every time, every time, like, I, I meet new people they oftentimes will tiptoe around certain things. Like, they'll they'll be very careful around saying certain things. They'll be sure to say African-American, which that phrase actually bothers me more because I don't think it's as uh, biologically accurate to just call black people African-American because a lot of them aren't actually African-American. Um, black makes more sense. But, like, some people... Think that if you say black,
1: like you might offend someone, yeah. so you want to be like super, super. I think I used specific. all of them in our foster care episode. I think I said people of color, African American, and black. <laughs> all my bases just, are covered. Yeah. yeah, but you're not
2: you're not racist just for saying that. And no. I, I think that that's that's what's frustrating is like if you if you Jason are having a conversation with someone and you like say something and you're not like meaning to be racist. You say something, you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't mean, like, that's not, I don't, you should, I don't think that you should have to go into a 15 minute rant about like explaining yourself to that person to convince them that you're not racist. No. I do because think it's funny
0: think- when black people make me start on that 15 minute rant and say, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. You can say what you want. <laughs> They're just messing. I had a coworker who would do that all the time. I was like, you jerk. He would like, honestly, like I'd say something and he would just blank stare. Until, like, no, and no, 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 I don't mean What just, I meant was. I know. I'm, I'm sorry. What I
2: meant was. What I meant. No, man, I'm just playing with you. <laughs> <laughs> I should do that more often. <laughs> man,
1: I should do that. It is funny. That is one of. That is something that you have that you can do. Yeah. If you want to change the topic. You had a question.
0: Well, first of all, I think labeling somebody as racist when they're not does more damage than anything right. else. Yep. It, it, pigeons. It, Puts it backs people into a corner mm-hmm. where they don't even have the chance to say no. I'm not racist. Like, um, but then I wanted, to, I wanted to change the topic. I was wanted to talk about systemic racism. Okay, because that's that's probably from what I've listened to. That's what racism looks like for our generation. So. so
2: what would you say is systemic racism?
0: Like, for like, have you ever had trouble finding a job because you were black? No. Okay. Um, other things would be like, um, well, we, Jess and I had some friends at a former church who adopted a black baby. And they asked their black friends, like, what should we do? And their first suggestion for them was to change the baby's name. Because he would have a hard time getting a job, going to school. Like, the people would look at the resume and automatically deny him because, because of what his name was. And so they, they took their black friend's advice and they renamed the child and gave him more of a white name. Just so, on paper, he looked more white. Does, I mean, does that, I mean, and that, I guess that, that does exist because it happened,
2: but do I think that it was necessary for them to do that?
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. This I... is 10 years ago.
0: So is that, is that racism, is that
2: racism 10 years I ago? I mean, I guess I don't know. I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the workforce was 10 years ago. Cause yeah. I wasn't in like, you know, working for a company. So I guess something like that, I couldn't. We, we experience... I would like to, I would like to think that that wouldn't be an issue if you are a, a respectful yeah. employer. The, the... Yeah. If you're, a, well, if you're a respectful person, like I, th- I would think regardless of your name, like they're not, if you are qualified and you are not some kind of like obnoxious, whatever, I, I don't understand why that would be an issue to an um, employer if you're going to be a good worker. Like that's what I think now. Ten years ago, was that different? I mean, I, I don't know why it would be, but maybe it would, yeah. for some reason. Because of the assumption that if you have a crazy name, you have all these other things that come along with you. Like that would be racism, obviously. Like if you, <laughs> you don't even have to see someone and what they look like. You see a name, you know. Yeah. Like, the Quandre. You see a name like that, and just based on the name, automatically assume they're black, and automatically assume all kinds of other things. I'm not going to hire that person. Well, yeah, yeah that would—that's clearly racist. Is that happening on average? I don't think so. But yet, Starbucks is having May 28th. But they're right, so they're having this implicit bias training yeah. off of what I think might have been an overreaction. Yeah. So, like,
0: when I think of systemic racism, the only the only way like I think the best way that I can identify it is by having divorced parents in the church. So my dad just because he was divorced was
1: oh okay. was denied
0: yeah. opportunity for I mean a complete outsider especially 15 20 years ago mid mid 90s like I'm kind of like looking back at. I'm surprised he even had the guts to even walk into a church after being a d- divorced pastor, like a pastor who's been divorced. So like it would be like little things. Like he's a phenomenal teacher. Yeah, he he's a great teacher. Um, well, well, Dave, you can teach the divorced couples class. Oh my gosh,
2: that happened. That
0: happened. That happened what? at that happened at multiple churches. And my mom was to the point where she's she won't even step foot inside of a church, because to be a divorced pastor's wife, no, just just not worth it. And she doesn't realize. Well, times have changed, mom. Like, it's different now. Well, it, it'd, maybe. Well, depending, depending on the church on, you go depending to, depending on what church you go yeah. into. So wow. So I would say that, and then too, in our experience working with a drug recovery home, you see systemic differences at least between rich and poor uh if you're wealthy you can get out of anything you can have your you can easily easily more recover your license and your vehicle to get back to um to show up for parole or whatever where if you're poor and you don't have a means
2: of transportation to get to your hearings you're going to jail yeah, that happens all the time. You see people in wealthier communities who get in trouble for something uh, relatively that, minor, that would... and they're not in jail for. They, I mean, they only serve jail. You know, yeah. they pay. They're able to pay fines and stuff. And then yeah. you see people in lower communities, you know, lower income communities, and they do something. Do they do the same thing and they're in jail for a year?
0: Yeah, I like it the best. I was listening to Church and Other Drugs, and he was. He was saying in their community, like in the drug recovery home, racism doesn't exist because you're just a drug addict. <laughs> like <laughs> racism, like gender, uh, almost none of it exists anymore because we're all like we're broken. A, we're all drug
2: addicts. Yeah, we're all in the same pod. Yeah. So. I when I hear uh, when I hear systemic racism, I generally think of. Laws that are actually in place to prevent or what's the word I'm looking for
1: the furtherance
0: uh, equal opportunity yeah I
2: just, just want to say equal opportunity they don't they prevent equal opportunity yeah. um, I don't think that there is a single law that exists now. That prevents black people from having an equal opportunity from from anyone else i I don't know of a law that does that now, you can go to a different level with that though, so like again, this i wouldn't call this systemic racism, but some people would, so you might have some cops who actually are racist, yeah, I don't think all cops are racist. I don 't even think most of them are racist. I think very few probably are racist yeah I've been pulled over. Since I've lived here, I've been pulled over like ten times, usually for my lights, but a couple times for things I actually did wrong. Like, yeah. blew through a red light in Grand Blanc, and in Grand Blanc you get tickets for going yeah. five over. Yeah, you do. And I blew through a red light, Great White, is and what yeah, <laughs> that's what it, that's what it means, <laughs> Great White, a
0: former very racist community yeah. with KKK ties. <laughs> and, if you didn't know,
2: and uh, I got pulled over, and the cop. I told the cop like what happened because the reason I blew the red light was because it was yellow and I had looked down for like a second to like change the song or whatever. And I looked up and you know, I started going because I thought it had, I thought it had just turned yellow. It had not just turned yellow. It was done being yellow. It was red. And I was already like going through and it was like, well, it's too late. No big deal. Right. You know, then I saw the lights and he just kind of lectured me and he was like, you know, actually, uh, yell light means you're supposed to slow down. Like if you see a yell yeah. light, you're you're not supposed to like try and speed up and get through the light. And I was like, okay. And he's like, I'm gonna give you a warning, so just don't do it again. And I was like, wow, okay. But like I, when I when I've got pulled over, I'm not like being super careful about where my hands are positioned on my on the wheel and worried that I'm gonna get shot. Like I'm just respectful to the officer because I know that they're just doing their job they're pulling me over literally almost every single time it's to tell me that my lights are off which usually I'm actually pretty thankful because I never pay attention to my rear lights and almost every time my rear lights have gone out I haven't known until a cop's pulled me over to tell me so but as far as you just sound like a terrible driver, right yeah (laughs) I'm very I'm very aggressive
1: I'm very very aggressive But uh, I would say that there's definitely is to talk about the systemic racism question that you put forward. I I would kind of agree more with Justin that there's not necessarily a specific law. But again, there are people people. with biases and prejudices. So I wouldn't I wouldn't I would put that maybe in the more private sector of 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 a system like a, a private company that's hiring people or whatever. But as far as a government or governance standpoint like government making laws I don't think that there's a particular well the one law the one thing that I have heard is that the sentencing for crack cocaine is a lot tougher than what it is for marijuana and marijuana is primarily like a college drug lots of white white kids are getting high going to fish concerts whatever (laughs) fish The Grateful Dead. What are you kids listening to these days? I'm not listening to Fish, whatever that is. So you smoke pot then. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But then the the crack cocaine, which is primarily in black communities, Mm -hmm. the sentencing is really tough for that. Now I heard in history though – the reason why the sentencing on crack cocaine specifically is so tough is because many in the black community wanted tough sentencing on it because they really didn't want that in their communities because it was destroying families and everything. And the same, and the same amount of the same harsh penalties are given towards people who are in possession or use meth, which is a primarily kind of white drug, particularly. So I would just... Again, I don't know if the, I don't think there's any systemic racism. I that that's just my personal opinion. No,
0: the the liturgist had like a large episode on it, and they were I, going into detail, like for instance, like voting and that you have to have a driver's license to vote, and how hard it is to for particularly poor people in an urban area to acquire a driver's license, how difficult that can be. And because they don't have one, they can't vote. Well, it just also so happens that a lot of them in that particular area are are black. So that they were they would point to examples like that. I don't know if I'm getting those entirely right.
1: No, I, I've I've heard. I was just
0: asking. Like, I'm by no means an expert on any of this. So
1: I've I've heard that too. I would just uh, some sort of picture ID. I don't know that that to me. I don't. I feel like if you really want to vote, like then you'll, you'll go through the processes and get it done.
0: But people may not have the means to actually do that. Like if I'm struggling to put food on the table every day, I'm not going to take time out to figure out this license situation and go get a license. Like I'm going to get food on the table. I don't like poor people don't have the luxury, I guess. I guess my. I'm just saying this is this was one of the examples of systemic
2: racism that they brought up. No, that's that would be a good example if that was the case. Um, You know, that'd be like if it was actually a systemic racist issue. It's like a tricky way where they can be like, "Well, we can't have this law. We can't, you know, have these Jim Crow laws or whatever." That just straight up are racist, but let's let's do this. Let's put this thing in place. That's kind of kind of difficult to get, I guess, for someone who's really poor. And while well, black people are really poor, so we'll have less black voters. Yeah,
1: but I guess. But wouldn't that affect poor white people as yeah. well? Yeah, it so would there's,
2: there's, it too. There are,
1: but their if whole you actually
2: look at was... how many people in America, like. So obviously the percentage of black people in America is much less than the number of white people. So you could probably argue that statistically there's more poor white people just by number than black. So it would be affecting whites a lot as well. And I guess I would also ask the question, and this is kind of a loaded question, but like why why are you in a situation where you can't, afford a driver's license so is it is it because like legit you can't get a job is it because you know you have like 10 kids and you're just struggling to be able to afford to provide for a giant family like what are the reasons and like there I think some yeah. of those I think there are some legit reasons but I also think that in they in they some,
0: went into detail like you have to have an address while we're we don't we're not really paying for this spot because we're squatting or living here and i right, it was, there there was more than just being able to afford right they 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 made it appear on that show like no, they legitimately can't get a license and i don't remember all the details i just don't people would have to go. I mean, that that,
1: that would be like a really hypersensitive, very specific situation.
2: I don't think it's as, I don't think it's probably as common as maybe it's made out to be. I, I don't think that situation is probably terribly common. And I also think that, I think that the opportunity for people to get out of poverty is, is there, but there are a lot of things that people do themselves that prevent them and keep them in the poverty that they're in. Yeah,
0: I think the system itself keeps people in, in poverty. So how do you so how
2: do you think that the system does that?
0: It is unaffordable and not advantageous for you to have a career. Once you once you pop on welfare or get assisted living from the government, the moment that you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And I know this from, not from my own personal experience, but I have several family members who have been there. By the time they actually do go to college for free, they are getting the health care for their children for free by the state. And by the time they graduate and they get that first job opportunity of $12 an hour, all the free care goes away. And you are dirt poor, worse than you were, before you were on the system worse than you were while you were on the system while I'm on the system. I had housing. I had food stamps. I had insurance. I could get my teeth fixed. I could go to the hospital. I had emergencies were covered. But the moment that I bump up. Into the next tax bracket, right? You don't get that. Since there is anymore. no longer. There is no reason, no incentive for me to work. That's or one of pull the, myself up that's, any higher. I
1: think that's one of the problems. Now we're getting into another another topic of the the whole idea of the welfare state.
0: Yes, I mean it, it does get into that. But how many black people are are on that and in that system? Like,
1: well, I mean, as a, as a student of history, you look at what was it? Was it? It was Lyndon Johnson who kind of came up who kind of made the modern welfare state that that we live in now and and set up so, so kind of reset up social security the way that we have it now and, and all of these things and it basically is the incentivizing for people to marry the government for especially for women especially for women to marry the government and to not have like a nuclear family anymore and that's partially why we have the extreme uh, fatherlessness in the black community as well. Because if you don't have a dad in the picture, you get more money because you're a single woman raising kids. But but what we have with the welfare state is you have government saying, we will help you. And instead of it just being a temporary help, it's become a crutch now. Right. Yeah. And people can't get up off their feet. And, but the problem with that is... We're slowly bankrupting America to cover all of this stuff.
0: It makes me think that if, if Jesus followers were more inclined to help their neighbor, we might be in less of a situation. But we're not necessarily educated in that simple truth of you know help your neighbor, take care of your neighbor. Well, that's that's
1: that's one of the things that I've I've been kind of wrestling with as far as I don't like the fact that we have we we as a government spend. We as the people, taxpayers in the government, spend so much money on entitlement programs, Medicare, Medicaid. Now I know people need those things in order to survive. I'm not dumb to that, to that aspect. And I've known people who have used those things and have gotten off of them or they're still on them, whatever. I'm I'm just saying that the that the the state continuing to fund that is not the answer. We need to do something where we start scaling that back and I don't know how the, how we do this but the church needs to step in or you let private companies like uh, United Way because I heard a statistic or I heard a, a an article or a study where only 30 cents of every taxpayer dollar that you give actually goes goes towards helping somebody on who is on welfare. Yeah. 30 cents cuz you have all the transfer costs where if you give your your dollar to United Way or to Salvation Army it's like in the 90 cents. That's 90 to 95 cents we on the dollar. Because we have
0: volunteered at Salvation Army and saw that side of It's why I exclusively donate to Salvation yes. Army because I know exactly where the money's going to. It's going to exactly where we volunteered at like and that that pro, that program's phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it helps so many guys get out of the the situation that they're in.
0: But to bring it back to like systemic racism, like, you know, I hear this podcast about systemic racism, then I go preach in the jail and it's predominantly young black men right. who couldn't necessarily afford to or had a means to go to p- parole or their hearings or as Alex brings up didn't have the father figure or somebody helping push them in the right direction. Right. So I mean, it's a lot deeper than, I th- I think it's a lot deeper. There's,
2: it looks like there's no community support. I think you I think you right there are touching on what is really the, well I personally believe is actually the larger issue within specifically Black communities. I I don't I don't think it's the system as much, and I think it's a lot more with the the family, and I yeah. think it's a lot more with those fathers who you're seeing in the jail and in prison, not being there. For their family. Because what happens to these kids... And, like, again, I... Being a teacher... Well, I was a teacher. And uh, I briefly worked at New Standard, which is a um, charter school in Flint. Um, and I at the, before I started working there, I had a lot of theories yeah. about what things looked like, I guess. But then once I got there, it was like most of my students didn't have dads. Yeah. Um, and most of them were raising each other they're not even being raised by their moms really a lot a lot of them Um, and so they're raising they're raising each other and so in a lot of cases what you have happened and I I said this to the kids sometimes when because that was like the craziest experience of my life like having a class where you can't I can't even I have an hour with these kids for this class and I spend about 20 minutes actually teaching because the other 40 minutes I'm trying to keep them from fighting each yeah, other. Yeah, you're wrangling. So I mean that's obviously one issue there like even at a young age these kids are not they're they're not coming out of school ready for the real world, ready for the workforce because no. and this is one of the things I even said to them multiple times because I know this is what's happening often. If you are someone who's gonna be belligerent and so prideful that anytime someone says something mean to you, you have to punch them in the face or cuss them out and call them names, well, what's gonna happen someday is you're gonna get a low paying job, okay? You're gonna start at McDonald's or something. You're gonna work at McDonald's, and your manager is gonna do something that you don't like. Yeah. And you're going to get fired. And you're gonna have issues getting jobs at even some of these minimum wage places. So you can't get a job anywhere. So then what do you oftentimes end up doing? Well, you end up turning to crime. Yeah. And I think one of the big reasons, I gr- I agree with you in the sense in regards to, like, a lot of these, these people are poor, so they can't make bail or whatever. So they end up serving time because they don't have enough money. But I also think that one of the issues you have is that one of the arguments I guess I've heard for systemic racism is that why do we have all these black people in jail and prisons? And I think that the answer to that is actually somewhat simple. If you look at murder statistics, black people are the ones that are committing a majority and a disproportionate amount of the crime. So you have, like, 20% of the country is black, but you have a ton of black people committing all these crimes and committing these murders. Now, I guess you could argue that maybe we have a bunch of racist judges and these people are getting sentenced to things that they're not really doing, but I, I don't think that that is the case. Yeah. And so a lot of these kids, unfortunately, I, I think it starts at home, they're growing up without a father. Yeah. And their mother is trying to take care of them and however many brothers and sisters they might have. And then they end up in the end, sadly, turning to a life of crime because they don't they don't know how to function because there was no one there to. Well, you're talking about gangs and it becomes their family. Right. right.
1: I I remember seeing that even at a very young age for some of the, the Flint kids that we used to pick up. And then when we would take them up to the camp, the one time I took a bunch of Flint kids up to the camp, like they some of them acted as as if they were their own separate little gang, and they were they were kind of the troublemakers of the camp. Not all the time, but like definitely some of the time. And you can kind of see that gang mentality already starting in them very young, before junior high. And that's at least what I saw. And then I would go to their homes and visit them because I used to do home visits. So I would always be long-haired hippie-looking Alex in the hood going to hang out with these black kids play basketball and football and I would just suck at sports so but that's what they wanted to do so that's what we did but like I could already see like their older brothers and sisters that were maybe in high school or early 20s and they would be sitting on the front porch with their their core group of friends and this would be like at two o'clock on a weekday they weren't at jobs they're and I'm like they're in a gang. And you can even like some of the times I could pull up and I would be like, "Who's who's smoking weed out here? Come on, what's going on?" And like the whole idea, the 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 what the, what is the percentage? I think it's seventy three percent of black kids grow up in a single in family the, home. Yeah, it's in the seventies. It might be set. It might be seventy. It might be seventy one. It's it's somewhere in there. And it's high,
2: it's high for whites as well. It's in the forties
1: which is crazy to Very, me.
2: Very in general divorce statistics are super high. So but supposedly getting better among
0: millennials. <laughs> is it, it really? It is. I mean, they don't have a long a large sample Yeah, they don't size. have a it's less. There's less people are actually size getting size. married, but I think that was at 5 years of marriage because a lot of people get divorced at, within
1: 5 years. Yeah. So I want to bring it back I just thought of this. I was commenting on a status my friend posted. It was actually the trailer for a uh, for a particular TV show uh, for a comedian, and the comedian made the statement in her monologue during this this trailer for her show that there is a huge problem, like basically calling the 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 huge problem in America is still racism particularly uh racist cops that and that was her statement in in this in this nationally televised show and I actually i think it's a stream the show streaming on one of the streaming networks and i made a comment underneath the particular video saying Wow, I really thought she was going to address the real problem in the black community of fatherlessness, but she went the complete opposite direction. I was very snarky, very sarcastic, so maybe what I got <laughs> yeah, coming he, to me.
2: Yeah, he did. <laughs> you did. You, totally you were asking totally for people to just let you know. I don't even know what people said, but yeah. So
1: one guy did talk to me about it, and I said, Listen, man, I've been, at, I've lived in Flint. I went i went from living in the whitest, one of the whitest neighborhoods in Michigan, Metamora, Michigan, <laughs> to moving to flint and i can tell you multiple times i met moms grandmas i can count on one hand how many dads i met and i said and even barack obama said it best barack obama said that you're what it's eight times more likely without a father to grow if you grow up in a fatherless home to not graduate high school that's across the board that's that's regardless of race Oh, that's he the said that regardless. Oh, okay. the
2: The statistics show that regardless of of race, there is a correlation between um, success, like growing up, and, and whether you have like a nuclear family, whether you have a father, whether you don't. So it's this. It's not just like blacks that deal with. it. It's not like oh, it's only blacks that can that have yeah. a hard time without a father. It's like no, any people in general, growing Everybody's, up without yes, yeah. everybody.
1: So what does the church do? That may that might be the the closing question here because we are coming up on an hour and a half conversation here. Oh my
0: goodness. I got I know I got to pee real bad. <laughs>
1: here's 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 where my here's where I'm at. And I, I I you know, I say this just from my my experience that I've that I have li- working in Flint and seeing what I've seen. I think the church for one, does a poor job of discipleship. Very poor.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that.
1: Yeah, because what if you if you have this epidemic, and I'm I'm gonna, it's an epidemic of fatherlessness in mostly in urban areas. It's not just exclusive to urban areas, but I, I saw white kids without dads, black kids without dads, Mexican kids without dads, all across the board. Especially boys, young boys, because boy, because men are the primary people that commit crimes, primary gender that commit crimes. These boys are looking for, for father figures. They're looking for somebody just to toss a baseball or a football with them. And you don't know how much just, I, I would have moms tell me all the time that my son looks forward to Wednesdays or Thursday, whenever I would come by and visit their house and all I did was, for a half an hour, throw a football to him. That's it. And he, they, they would tell me, like, that's my son's favorite part of the week. Man. And I think the church does a poor job of stepping into that space and filling that space in the communities where we live.
0: Yeah. And well, I think
1: – oh, go ahead, Jason. Sorry,
0: I mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm helping coach my kid's baseball team it's not for my kid but it's like honestly it's for other kids in there and you don't have to look very far to see kids who don't have dads right
1: but if but if, if but if it's really true the statistics about fatherlessness if people would just step up to be dads or just to be that cool non-biological uncle like i was like man i hope one of these days these kids start calling me uncle alex that'd be sick it'd be so awesome i i did settle for mr alex they would mr. call me mr <laughs> alex, mr. On the alex. Bus. okay that's good
2: enough
1: i guess i have like 40 black kids on my bus driving up to camp mr
0: alex <laughs> so, yes this is awesome <laughs>
1: But if we would, and that's and that's why I said this in an episode, our Justin Dillon episode. I said I don't think the left or the right has the the answer for this this problem because I think, and I'm, I'm, I'll make I'll piss both sides off because that's what I like to do. The left, I think, is too too readily too. They, they, you, they overuse the word racism. They, anytime you disagree with something or you, you disagree with somebody, a person of color, they automatically label you a racist. They are ready to call you a racist to completely discredit your thought process. The right, on the other hand, I think as their feet in the mud, they don't move quick enough. The right, I've heard many conservatives talking about how do we fix the black community? Black conservatives even say this, well, we just need to tell the truth. Okay, the 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 truth is out there. The internet's out there. The internet the the word is out that growing up without a dad in the home is is pretty bad. So it's more you have to do something more than just quote unquote tell the truth. And you also just can't call everybody racist because you just don't like their opinions. So this is where I think the church needs to line the church doesn't need to line up with Democrats or line up with Republicans on this particular issue. The church just needs to be the hands and feet of Jesus to go out there, make disciples, and for God's sakes, if there's a kid in your neighborhood who doesn't have a dad, throw him a freaking baseball and have fun with him. That's my rant. I'm done.
0: (laughs) That's your rant? What do you think, Justin?
1: I agree. I
2: think that largely the church can do... they can do a lot more in these communities. Um... And I don't know if it's because of, I don't know if it's because of fear that they don't go in, or if it's just because of, they don't care, or they're just uh, lazy, Um, but yeah, I think the church is a community of people, and it's, it's so interesting to see a lot of church, churches are really, uh, they're they're really just like clubs. It's really just a bunch of people getting together, hanging out with with other Christians, and they're not they're not going out into into the communities. And I mean, I feel like I'm probably guilty of this as well. Like, I don't think I do as much as I could to like as a Christian to be out and, and in the community and spending time with other people and being there, you know, for, um, we're you know, good for at, even, I'm sorry. Well, being, I was just going to say be there for young kids. Yeah. No, we're good at gathering, but not going. Right. Yeah.
0: I think I would be more like self-reflective, I guess. So I, I, think back to ernesto's sermon and maybe if i can find a link i will post that in the show notes his racist
1: or racism yeah his his, it was a good one his
0: sermon on racism coming from a mexican man at an interracial church um he pointed it out that everybody is in some facet racism racist like you can't You can't really get away from yourself. And you you do see that in the Bible with Peter and Paul, like being racist towards Jews and Gentiles. Like there's there's a facet where you do need to look at yourself and um, identify if you are pushing people away or pulling people to. And I had an
1: entirely different point and I forgot it. Is it is it the topic of race that's making us nervous and why we keep forgetting? No, I had a. I feel like that's happening to me. I'm like, ah, I don't know what to say.
0: That was the first one, and I can't remember the second one. (laughs) I guess I would say two. Again, coming from what I grew up with, identifying those those situations of extreme hate. Um whether they exist within yourself or you see them play out with others. And if you have the love of Christ in you, that you would find ways to bring that in, especially if you see another Christian committing racism. I, I think it starts internally and it works its way outward. Mm. So if you were seeing another race, another another Christian who would identify as a follower of Jesus I Even Christian, everything needs to be defined these days. Nothing can go un, undefined.
1: Somebody who says they're a follower yeah, of Christ. Yeah, somebody who
0: says, I have given my life to Jesus. I am a follower of Jesus. And then you turn around and hear that person say offensive racist jokes in white circles. Like, there's no black people around, but they are, like... Hearing... Something they definitely
2: wouldn't say if there was a black person. Yes, there. exactly. <laughs> like, that was yeah.
0: offensive. Like, to maybe speak up and say something...
2: No, I think that's exactly what Paul did with Peter. I mean, Peter. Exactly. Peter was kind of getting clicky, and Paul was like, uh, "Are you dumb? Do you not recall what we've? This is yeah, complete opposite of what we've been told to do. Yeah. So I think that that's obviously doing it lovingly. <laughs> yeah. So, but,
0: yeah, I would say it's a it's like a church self check. Like the church needs to check itself. Yeah. Are 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 we being hateful? And part of that is having these conversations where we define nuance. Like, it's, it's okay if you say something that's borderline offensive to somebody you didn't know, so now you work within the confines of that. Like, language is the key to peacemaking, and it's speaking on the same terms as somebody else. Well, you only find out if you're saying the wrong stuff by saying it out loud, and then apologizing, and moving on, and asking questions on how... You can be less offensive with your language. But then, to finding people who are overtly racist because we know they exist and reminding them of the gospel, reminding them of what Jesus did for them, uh, reminding them that Christianity isn't white. It's not American. And you will probably be... 1%. It's it's for all nations. What I'm saying is you're gonna to get to heaven and there's gonna be a lot of colors and yeah. people there. And if you if you're being racist here now, then why would you ever want to go to heaven? Because that would be hell, yeah. that would be your hell. Yeah. It would. <laughs> yeah. Because there's going to be people from every race and every people group and every color of every generation there. And
1: yeah. yeah. There was like a viral video going around Facebook, and there was this KKK member they were interviewing, and he's like, "Oh, we're Christians, we're we're diehard American Christians," and how and they were like, "I'm like, no, you're not."
0: Yeah, which what Jonathan Lehman pointed out. Like, yeah,
1: he said that you cannot be a member of the KKK and be a member of my church yeah. at the same time. Uh, but yeah, um, dang. One of the most pow- I think
0: we saw so- I think we solved it all, dude. Yeah, we solved yeah. it. We got it covered here. <laughs> I think we're good.
1: I do think one of the in most powerful things that I've ever seen in my life is in regards to this issue of racism is uh, I, I went to the jail and you know Jason you brought it up that most of the guys in the jail that we preach primarily are black and young and very young. depending
0: on what floor you're at but there's a lot of young black yeah. guys.
1: Yeah, I this guy that came with me. Uh, I asked him to come with me just to tell his testimony. And I didn't know anything about his testimony. He just was looking for an opportunity to kind of get his feet wet as far as public speaking. And I said, best way to do it is to tell your testimony at the jail, my friend. So he goes there and he starts telling his testimony. And he, he flat out, no, no holds bar, just says, I used to be a racist. Yeah, And he says it in front of all these black guys. I used to be a racist. I used to tell racist jokes. I used to make fun of the black kids at my school da 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 He said all this stuff. And he said, then I met Jesus, and now I'm not that way anymore.
0: That's awesome.
1: And this was the guy that used to ride with me a bunch on the Flint route that we had for our Thursday night teens program. And he was in the back talking with all the black kids that we would pick up because it would be like me and this guy we were the only white guys on the bus. And he was just in the back, and he's just like, they need to meet Jesus just like I met Jesus. And that's that was his only motive. Was to tell them about Jesus, and I—that—that was one of the most powerful things that I've ever seen in, in my ministry career. And so, it's possible; it can happen. We can defeat racism with the gospel. It is and repentance. And repentance.
0: That's what I was gonna say. Repentive racist.
2: <laughs> and well, I, th- I think naturally, if someone truly comes to Jesus. Like, that's something that in, as they grow in their relationship with them, that's something that's, that will actually change in them because, well, Jesus is clearly not just for white people or for any particular race. So as they get to know Jesus better, and again, it might not be something that just switches right off, but I think in a lot of instances, it could. Like, when you understand, when you understand who Jesus is and what he did for you, and then you come to the understanding that he did this for all people. It's like, what have I been doing? Why have I labeled this group less than me? And you would come to a place of, yeah. of repentance. And it's going to transform you.
0: What's awesome about that, you say transform, is I know who you're talking about. And I would never, ever peg that person as a racist, ever. But for him to say, like, yeah, I was. Like, that's, like, shocking, but then awesome because you see... Jesus working. Mm -hmm. That's pretty rad. It is. I think that's a a sound conclusion to our episode. No, no, no. I got another hour in. (laughs) No. I got to pee real
2: bad. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right. I think
1: think we've solved racism here, guys. Good job. Just preach the gospel. And when necessary, use words. Hey, dear listener. He's still awake. He's still there with us.
0: <laughs> this was lengthy. I think. Alex. This,
1: I think this. The perfect title for this episode is "The Long Talk About Racism." <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis on long.
0: I think. You know what? I think we got back to Jesus, it, which is, which is what we need. Because to do. we went from racism to kind of fatherhood, but then to Jesus. Those, those are natural segues.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, if if this episode didn't end with Jesus, I would be really disappointed. Yeah, I would be like, Jason, delete it. We're doing it over. Well,
0: we talked about our one buddy and how he was a repentive racist, mm-hmm. and how I didn't even know that, but. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't tell by looking at them now. And then I could start to think of, I know, I know a handful of other people. I have family members who were like that, who were, who were more on the racist side. But now it's like, holy cow, they're a completely different person. They are completely different. I wouldn't call them racist in the slightest.
1: Man, that Holy Spirit, man, he he really does a number on
0: you. Yeah. he
1: (laughs) He does some, he does some stuff. So, uh, any big takeaways for you, Jason? Anything you want to say wrapping it up? Not that I haven't already said. Awesome. Good to know. <laughs> for me, um, if you don't know a lot of black people, maybe you should. Yeah. That that would be my, my takeaway. One of the things moving to Flint has really opened up my eyes is just seeing people in, who don't look like me and being like, wow, we actually do have a lot of things in common. And it's awesome, and I think I think it's a good gospel thing because one, there's going to be all kinds of different color people when we get to heaven, so why not experience a little bit of that right now?
0: Yeah, you know I do have a takeaway, and that yes, that is that we had about five other conversations after this conversation yeah. that we weren't recording. Yeah, we that could have easily turned into their own episodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, J- Justin went into a mini tirade about um, people saying he's not really black, yeah, and what that means because he's he's half and half. Um, that is a whole other conversation, which would be intriguing. In another
1: another hour tacked onto this podcast, but our statistics have shown us that really long podcast don't work well for us. So we're going to no. try and keep this one semi short. Yeah. And so uh we don't have any feedback to read right now because Jason is. I unplugged. Unplugged, which good for you, man. Yeah. Good for you. I
0: unplugged and then plugged lots of little patch cables into my pedals. <laughs> so, I mean, I plugged in different things. How white of you. Good yeah. job. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't have feedback. It's not that. I don't care about our listeners or, or love them. Um, I just turned everything off for for the last week or so.
1: And I just got back from Texas, so I'm still riding those yeah, after-vacation like, endorphins. I was
0: like, Alex is on vacation. I'm unplugging.
1: So we're going to unplug right now.
0: Well, I got to say something what? before we do. <sighs> so there's been a death in my family. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, my great-aunt Robbie, um, who was a tremendously awesome person. So after my grandma died, she was like the second mother to my mom and my mom's siblings and just an incredible woman who decided she was going to seek Jesus and nothing else after her husband died 40 years ago, Hmm. never sought to get remarried and just, She said, She, my mom says this to me. She just prayed to God and said, What do you want me to do? And she said that God said back to her, I want you to be the best Christian example you can be for your children. And so that's what she did up until the day she died. Hmm. And my mom said, She never said a bad thing about anybody ever. Never heard her say one bad thing about anybody else. So just a tremendous. Um, woman of Christ who is now up there with Jesus. I, I don't know. I'm excited about it because she had a lot of physical ailments that are no more and lived to a ripe old age of 93.
1: Holy wow.
0: Which meant she obeyed her parents because that's how you live long on this earth. Mm-hmm. According to the Bible, <laughs> obey your parents and you will have a long life. <laughs> and so that's what she did. Apparently, um, no, just an awesome woman. But, um, Alex, I uh, ask you, what what advice would you have for, <laughs> <laughs> for our family as we celebrate um, <laughs> the the life of my aunt this, Robbie? Uh, our our ending um,
1: phrase has really gotten out of hand.
0: But you know, I'm not saying there. You took they're, something
1: really sweet. And awesome. <laughs> and you clowned it that's, up.
0: That's what I do. So what advice do you have for, uh, for our family?
1: <laughs> if you don't get up during the funeral service with a hockey stick in hand, <laughs> That'd be so bad. I'm going to hurt you <laughs> in a loving, friend friendly way. But hey, to everybody in Jason's family, and. Your aunt is in heaven with Jesus. Yeah, which and that's, is awesome. And that's reason to always keep your stick on the ice. Yeah. <laughs>